welcome to Politics on the Prairies, a podcast about politics in Western Canada. I'm your host, Ryan Catello, and I'm tired of the idea that politics should be off-limits. Also, my friends are tired of me talking politics at parties, so I decided to start a podcast where I interview politicians, entrepreneurs, and anyone else with something to say. The goal is to create a dialogue across parties and hopefully get people thinking about who they're voting for and why it's important. There may even be some good old-fashioned debate. If you want to be part of the conversation, join us on Politics on the Prairies. Hey everybody, I'm here with Alex Passy. Uh, Alex Passy's a writer, lives in Winnipeg. Um, he's got a book coming out called Mirror's Edge. It's coming out in September. Uh, Passy, how you doing? Tell us about the book. I'm pretty dandy. Uh, the book, you know, it's it's weird we're having this conversation because it seems like it shouldn't be relevant to the conversation, but at the same time, it kind of is. Okay, go as on. As far as pandemics go, it's not, but the way that people are treating the pandemic kind of is because the people in my book are all microchipped. But the thing is, they all kind of dig it, and it's a, it's a convenience more than anything. I think my, my book treats the social reality that we may grow to love these things that we treat as oppression now. I mean, lots of things we have grown to love mm-hmm. that we treat as oppression now. Look at what we do with Facebook, all these things that track us all the time, social media in general. Mm-hmm. We can't live without them. Now, granted, there is a trade-off of good and bad, but at the same time, can we imagine just going back? So, I, I mean, it's, right. it's relevant, but at the same time, the conspiracy theories I think we're going to talk about go a little bit further than <laughs> what my book does deal with. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, very interesting uh, dynamic there, and especially given the times. Um, obviously, you didn't plan a book like this around uh, imminent pa- pandemic. <laughs> So. Uh, no, this was written like five fucking years ago, so <laughs> definitely uh, definitely nothing to do with the current state of affairs, but yeah, it turned out to be kind of relevant. There you go. So the reason I brought uh, you on, Alex, today is because of what, uh, and for everyone listening, what Alex and I are going to do is we're going to kind of review this viral video that's going around um, called Plandemic. Uh, there is some reviews out there. Uh, there's some by doctors. There's some by uh, other people more qualified, we'll just say. We're laymen, and we are going to kind of just just take this as a from a layman's perspective. Um, now, I threw Passy a curveball here because I scheduled this with him like five hours ago, canceled it on him. Then he got drunk, and then I called him, and I'm like, all right, we're doing the podcast. <laughs> so... <laughs> So way to roll with that. Well, I appreciate we'll see, that. We'll see how I do. <laughs> it's yeah, it's uh, Saturday night and a long weekend in Winnipeg, and uh, obviously I didn't plan to do that to you. I apologize, but it's uh, I actually I told you like straight up, man. I haven't seen the sun proper in like three weeks, and so this this afternoon it was like twenty five degrees and sunny, and it's no excuse to move a podcast date on a guy, but I just really felt like I needed to feel the sun hit my face, and if I missed it. And I missed out for another two weeks. Would have been real bad news. 
But absolutely. That's what I was doing this afternoon, too. But I was standing on the booth thinking we were doing a podcast. And when I heard we weren't doing it, I no longer abstained. And then a few hours later, we were doing it. And uh, here we are. Perfect. Well, I got you right where I want you then. (laughs) (laughs) No, okay. Um, But for real, like what, um, you know, this, like, I feel like Passy's the guy to bring on this today. You're the guy to bring on this today because I noticed on Facebook and stuff like that, like your friends and our mutual friends, because um, we went to the same high school, um, they, uh, they, they, they tag you and stuff when it comes out and they're skeptical of it. And they want to see what you're going to say about said video or said article or whatever it is. And so I liked that because um, I noticed that you take kind of a skeptical approach, you take a professional approach, and you largely side with, uh, with science. And I think that that's super helpful um, in a space like uh, Facebook. So I thought you might be the right guy to kind of open up this uh, documentary with. And yeah, that's the way that I've kind of gone across my entire internet career. I started off thinking that I was skeptical and all the things that I thought were skeptical turned out to be not skeptical. I actually used to be a pretty hardcore conspiracy theorist until I met people that showed me the way that I was thinking was not thinking all of the angles. And I mean, to this day, I'm still open to anybody showing me any angles that I am not thinking about, but I have found that the conspiracy theorists are not those people. And typically, they're more likely to be the establishment doctors, scientists, uh, just general people who I meet and know in my day-to-day life who are like, okay, here's the problem with these conspiracy theories, and the next thing you know, everything is debunked, and... I don't want to say that the establishment institutional narrative is always the right one, but typically they're a lot more coherent than the conspiracy theory narratives that you see out there, especially ones like pandemic. Right. Is the one that I guess we're going to talk about mostly. Mm -hmm. No, that's very cool. Uh, That's a really cool take on that. And I, you know, I agree with you in the sense that, uh, Back in high school, uh, I should say late teens and early 20s, um, I'm really glad that I wasn't active on Facebook uh, because I believed a lot of really dumb shit, just to put it, to be frank about it, like just really dumb stuff. Um, And, um, you know, we had talked about in an effort not to just act like we're, you know, trying to dunk on people's bad beliefs or something um, for for an hour here. Uh, We were going to like led on with some conspiracies that we used to believe. And uh, I think personally for me, the one that I could touch on because it has real, um, real world (laughs) implications for me was at somewhere like at 18, 19 or 20, around there, 17, maybe I had decided that um, fluoride was like bad for me. Right. And uh, I don't know if you've heard the fluoride conspiracies. Uh, You must have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. okay. So, like, fluoride was, like, something that the Nazis used <laughs> in Germany to uh, placate the, 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 the prisoners in the concentration camps, and that it was something that was kind of dumbing down the population. It was actually destroying your Calcify. teeth. Oh. Calcify your pineal gland. Calcifying your pineal gland. Right, right, right. Just, like... Even though everybody's... Pineal gland calcifies naturally by the time you're 20 anyway. Like, literally, no matter what you do, 
we all have calcified pineal glands is the thing that that whole conspiracy theory tries to ignore. Okay. And I didn't mean to cut you off there, but it's just, uh, that was, uh, that was always, I always, uh, I actually lost several friends trying to argue <laughs> that one so many times. Like, yeah, fluoride totally does these things that they're neurotoxin, you're right, but <laughs> not in the content, uh, in the uh, density that we ever come across in our water supply. Right. And, uh, yeah. Right. And I feel bad for my dentist, too, because he told me that back then. And I, I had the, the audacity to sit in that chair and argue with my dentist. <laughs> uh, so I went out and bought like Tom's fluoride free toothpaste, like for the next, whatever, basically five or six years. And I don't know anything about teeth, but I understand that there is a certain period of your life where your teeth are forming and your enamel's building. And then, you know, you hit that point. And it doesn't happen anymore. And it's like your brain development, right? It's like up to 25. I can't help but think like the back end years of my teeth development, I just screwed over with this shitty toothpaste. And now I have, dude, I have like, uh, I have fillings, many fillings and many teeth issues. And uh, yeah, so that bad, dumb belief of mine held based on nothing, probably three videos I had seen. Um, you know, they, they went against everything else the scientific community was seeing. Uh, I held on to that belief. I carried it out and I just destroyed my teeth with it. So there you go. <laughs> and yeah, we all have stuff that does that to us. I mean, hell, probably me even more than you. Cause I remember when, uh, in high school, that loose change documentary about nine 11 came out and totally. I was out there showing that to everybody. I thought I was the new arbiter of truth. <laughs> Somebody is controlling it all, right? And it's not exactly. just random. People hate the idea that it's all just random. Yeah, because like with Sandy Hook, that guy that shot all those kids, everybody wanted to think, oh, everyone, everyone in this town is an actor, and uh, they just want to take your guns away. A, first of all, no one took anyone's guns away, so why didn't everybody be like, oh, we were wrong? Yeah, yeah. that should have happened after that. That. You know yeah, what? Because they put they those parents through hell. They, 
Yeah, instead there, instead there was a, a harassment campaign against all those parents, and the entire town, like all these parents, all these kids, they all have connections, real-world connections right. that should be able to tell people that this is not some sort of hoax. Instead, everybody's just keyboard warriors trying to shut everything down because they are fine with that quick little uh, headline explanation. 100%. And they don't care to... Yeah, they don't care to look deeper into the situation as a human situation. And these are all human situations, but we all want it to be like basic, simple, dogmatic explanations. Yeah, and to bring it right home, um, you know, uh, there's a music teacher from Winnipeg whose kid went to that school in, I guess it's Connecticut, right, Sandy Hook? And he has connections in Winnipeg and he's spoken to people in Winnipeg about this and and so you yeah when you say there's real world world connections there totally is and then there's way more than just like you know this paper mache town with a bunch of uh field actors or whatever like you know I'll grant that sometimes the news doesn't use the news that's happening on the on the ground on the scene and I'll, I'll allow that there is maybe there's stock footage for an ambulance or whatever but um, oh, absolutely. but I, I, I think that that's just because sometimes the ground scene is so horrific and the way the news is set up is there's always a visual to the narrative. So they have to put something, right? If they don't have footage on the ground, then they have to put something. And, and I think that's what, that's what starts a lot of this stuff is it's like, oh, that's a ambulance from the na- neighboring county or whatever. And not only could that, that be a fact and that ambulance just came from the neighboring county, but people get on that and they're just like... That's proof that it's all fake, and it's not proof that yeah, it's exactly. all fake at all. It's our it's our inconsistencies as a human system. Like uh, more than anything, what we're seeing now with the whole COVID thing is our failures to be able to respond because we're we're human. The doctors are human. The experts are human. Everybody's fucking human, and we're not that good at doing these things out of uh, just pulling these things out of our ass. So it's very easy to look at inconsistencies, mistakes, and things that don't quite add up. And when you just look at them through the microcosm of what they are, it's easy to fill in your own narrative of how maybe somebody's lying to you. Meanwhile, I think one of the best truisms you can think of is it's better to not assign to malice what it is, what you can assign to ignorance, because it's way more likely that we're just fucking up than we are being evil. Because we screw up all the goddamn time. We're human, but mm-hmm. downright evil humans, there's not that many evil humans. Mm-hmm. Most, as I mean, to bring Socrates in for a minute, he, you know, most people are just doing things that everyone else considers bad or evil because they're acting in their own interest. Like, you know, you can't, no one would ever say, um, yeah, I'm, I'm an evil person. Like that's very rare. Like you say, um, most people think, you know, I mean, somebody, somebody robs a store. They're obviously feeding someone or they're, 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 they're providing for themselves or, or, or whatever have you. Um, you know, you could go through a million of these examples, but, um, yeah, basically it's that, it's that. And so the fact that um, there isn't some, you know, overarching evil or good force, I think scares the shit out of people, you know? Exactly. People love to think of the idea of some big overarching evil force mm-hmm. that orchestrates everything. Because 
part of it is kind of like Nietzsche's God is dead whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of a lament of that we don't have a way to explain all the things that happen in our lives anymore. He was not celebrating God is dead. He was lamenting God is dead. Now, how the hell are we going to figure mm-hmm. out this world anymore? And a lot of conspiracy theorists are filling in that gap with, you know, the deep state, the Illuminati, the NWO. And those are very convenient ways to tell yourself that, you know, maybe they're bad people, but somebody out there is making everything happen. And there's some sort of grand narrative orchestration that is making all these things happen. And I am the sole arbiter of truth on the other side. I am on this moral quest to stop it. And I have to tell the people the truth. And people love that sort of bullshit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They do. And you know what? If there was ever a moment in history where we should take a, a second and realize the deep state doesn't exist, it would be in 2016 when Donald Trump got elected because that yeah. guy has got no connection to the deep state. He hacks and slashes government organizations like there's no tomorrow. He's a, he's a bumbling buffoon. He actually changes his position on like world policy within the same sentence you know so you can't tell me that that guy's been set up by someone really intelligent to carry out a really intelligent plan that shit is sheer dumb luck just complete dumb luck like i can't absolutely he is he is one of the best agents of chaos that uh, have well has ever existed i mean uh, as much as uh, you want to hate the guy at the same time he has proven so much that all of these things of the grand narratives of uh you know the illuminati or the deep state or any of these things i mean people like to think that somehow the deep state is still orchestrating things yeah. behind his back but like at, through what mechanism then hillary clinton would have been seconds. right hillary clinton would have been president you know that the whole yeah. deep state argument is done when hillary clinton loses that election to me anyways like if she Absolutely. if she runs I mean, the deep I, state look, look at yeah. all the Look at all the Republican candidates for president who would have been <laughs> such great puppets. You had Jeb Bush. You had the third Bush. The third Bush would have been so great. I was doing all the same things over and over again. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. If anything, like people like talk a lot of shit about Trump, and I will all day, absolutely. But uh, when it comes to something like uh, the whole Middle Eastern policy where he's not like invading, uh, like he, he did he did some stupid shit with killing uh, the uh, the, dipl- or the main diplomat of Iran. But mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, the fact that he didn't just outright invade Syria and uh, displace fucking uh, Bashar Assad, uh, I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that Trump has done that weren't the worst. And I think that even a Democrat president would have done worse. Yeah, you know... Foreign policy-wise, he has been middle of the road <laughs> you know i okay, i i can't uh i am i am no fan of donald trump but you know i'll grant you that and i'll grant anyone else listening that is that because he's so dumb he can't architect anything so he just doesn't bother right it's just like you know he puts his brother-in-law in the middle east and says like he's gonna solve it um but like donald trump's whole thing is that like he thinks he's super good at spending and budget and all this stuff. And he looks at a $7 trillion, you know, war tab for the U.S. And he says to himself, 
that's ridiculous. I can cut that. Like, that's the obvious one because it's the biggest number he's ever seen. But what he doesn't yeah, get, it's the, yeah. But the, the funny thing is he's an accidental libertarian. He, he just, like, sees all these people who own other companies that would benefit from these war, uh, war aggressions. Right. And he's like, okay, but how does that benefit me? Sure. And he just can't, he can't do the six degrees of separation because he's just too goddamn simple. Exactly. So he ends up being, like, a fucking Ron Paul. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> That's and exactly He's it. a fucking libertarian hero. And, I, I mean, which is all well and good because at the end of the day, I would take a clumsy libertarian hero over say like a George Bush Ooh, I can't go there because his domestic policy is terrible he's like he is the worst president the, the country's ever seen like he's lost nine over 90,000 Americans uh, you know in the past couple of months without even going to war just because he can't manage uh, his population properly like and, and that's 100% true, but also I wonder uh, what exactly has Joe Biden said that would have been different? I mean, has Joe Biden offered any sort of alternative? Or uh, has you he know, said, can, he's, he's basically just said, I can do more push-ups. Like. Now, I think when you look at the way Obama handled Ebola, I granted it's a different disease, but Obama, he brought the State Department to Africa. He set up hospitals there, brought the scientists there. He treated that there. He never actually, like, literally never allowed it into America, right? I think Trump exposes his racism and idiocy when he puts a ban on Chinese people but from coming from China to the U.S., but he doesn't ban Americans, right? Because he thinks that, you know, Americans, white Americans don't carry disease. That's the way I, the only thing, the only way I can interpret it by him doing that, but only Chinese people are, or could, could carry this disease because that's the only ban that he put in place when he says he put this place, this ban in place. So I look at those two and I think that if Joe Biden would have at least followed Obama's um, maneuvers, maybe he would have picked up the phone and said, hey, you know, what's a good way of handling this? I think you could have had uh, results more like South Korea or more like New Zealand. Granted, those are smaller countries, but, you know, I think it, like, you could, if you have 100,000 tests and you have 10,000 people that have the virus, you can track that. Now they've got, you know, a quarter million people with the virus and they have like 100,000 tests. They can never contact trace that the way other countries are doing. I think it's just a complete failure. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. And maybe he could have done substantially better, but he certainly could have never done South Korea good. Yeah. I mean, South Korea, they as a country are set up to be able to do this. Right. And maybe that's because they are just, uh, I, and that's, that's the one thing that bugs me about everybody that likes to pretend that China is just hiding their deaths. Mm-hmm. Because, and maybe they are fudging it a little, but they can't be fudging that much. Right. And maybe just as an authoritarian country, restricting everybody's freedoms is just making them better at stopping everybody from spreading the virus. I know it's a, it's a controversial thing to think, but maybe yeah, our no. freedoms get in, get in the way of uh, being able to stop the virus. Patsy, you're right. You're right. That's a, that's a thing that is a trade-off that we need to be ready to acknowledge. I still don't think that I would trade that mm-hmm. at the end of the day for the freedoms that we have, but I think we need to acknowledge which system has pluses in which way. Yeah. And, and China very well may have just been like, hey, we shut shit down, we shut it down fast, and all of a sudden, the disease stopped spreading. And we did not, especially the states where we see now the big flaw with your idea of individual liberties. Mm-hmm. 
it, that's totally it. And I mean, you're right. There, there's a trade-off there. Um, I think that you're right that China isn't experiencing a secret outbreak for two reasons. One is just talking to Colby last uh, a month. He was telling me like he's living there, and he said, you know, it's open. Things are open. Like it's not like there's raging sickness everywhere right now. So there's that. Also, Elon Musk was saying like, you know, his factory in China is open. Like China's economy is moving. So they did contain it in a sense. And then just to back up to, uh, I think, uh, Trump's foreign policy, again, is that the reason that he seems like he hasn't meddled is because I think that where other presidents were expanding um, Western ideals, you know, democracy, voting, um, equality for women and stuff like that, I think that that's the motive behind a lot of, um, you know, U.S. intervention into other countries. I think Trump doesn't even understand those ideals. So that's why he's incapable of progressing that agenda. And I know I sound super globalist uh, maybe saying that, but I just think that Trump doesn't actually understand that. So that's the only reason he's not a warmonger. It's like you said, he can't figure out what's in it for me, so he doesn't do it, right? So. Yeah, because as far as the war goes, he has no, I mean, he couldn't even bring himself to fight in Vietnam. So the odds of him uh, being like, oh, okay, yeah, let's send our country to do this. It's going to be economically economically, uh, detrimental. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why would we do that? As far as an ideology beyond economics goes, he has no idea how to even uh, facilitate that. However, I also think he might be a little bit naive in the way that, let's say, like, Obama or any of these uh, all Western imperialism tries to pretend that they're doing things like you know defending minorities, the or things defending women yeah. against the Taliban, stuff sure. like that. Yeah. Meanwhile, at the same time, they I mean, did they accomplish any of that stuff? No, nah, not really. And they, but they did uh, succeed at expanding corporate influence all over the goddamn world. Mm-hmm. There's McDonald's and, everywhere, right? Yeah, to your point. Yeah, yeah. And, and, well, and also, like, if you can go back to, like, like say, Bill Clinton and just, like, more subtle imperialism, say, into South America and stuff like that, this has just been standard North American policy forever. It just, whether it comes through blatant uh, uh, military aggression or through mm-hmm. subtle... Uh, programs of uh, democracy building, liberation fronts, things that the CIA does that says, oh, this the wrong guy got elected, so it must be uh, either a faulty election or, you know, communists, uh, just communists from Cuba or Russia or infiltrating the uh, voting blocks. Since, since the middle of the 20th century, there's been so much evidence of Western imperialism all over the world that, I don't know, it's, it's, it's just hard to take any of our good faith, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Imp- uh, yeah, imperatives uh, seriously. And oh, it's good. For sure, there's, for sure, there's some. Don't get me wrong, there's some. We, we have good-natured uh, initiatives in a lot of senses, uh, say, like, 50, half the time, and yeah, yeah, that, and that's just not good. No, it's it's good for you to bring um, Noam Chomsky to the table because I, I think that that's, that's actually accurate. And I guess we're both saying the same thing. You're just saying that it, it, it ends up being a blessing in disguise that Trump's ignorance means less American imperialism, you know, so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, 
he does he, he's, he's clearly an idiot and he doesn't mean to do what he does but sometimes <laughs> he stumbles in, he stumbles into a, a good idea you're not wrong he, stum- he stumbles into it so badly that the next thing you know fucking Bashar Assad is like killed half of his people and we could have done it a hell of a lot better <laughs> or like the Turks uh, not the Turks yeah the Turks uh, yeah. The, the Turks uh, invading the Kurdistan now even though Kurdistan's not an actual nation because nobody ever recognized it and now the Turks are just committing a genocide there because Donald Trump was like oh you know what lack of interventionism is a good idea again I just think he didn't understand it like oh I, I think he just didn't understand the, the relationship there, the dynamic that we yeah, had exactly. allies in that group, or they had allies. Yeah, somebody, somebody said something bad, so he was like, oh, sorry, you insulted me, and now I'm going to let half your people. Okay, so enough about um, Trump and responses and everything else. Uh, moving to the pandemic documentary. Uh, did you watch this thing? Yeah, I did. Well, you know what? I watched the the first like two thirds of it, and then I went back to watch it today to refresh myself, and uh, it was gone from the internet apparently. Totally. And I was, uh, yeah. I mean, usually even if it's like swiped from the uh, you know the main uh, forums that you'll see it, you could you know a person who wants to find it can find it. But today I was very surprised to find that uh, I could not find it at all. Gonzo. And I wonder if that's, um, like, YouTube doesn't want to get sued <laughs> later, or... Uh... Well, I mean, not even <laughs> just YouTube. I went I went directly to the, the Plandemic movie site. Okay. And I think a, I think a, uh, a bunch of well-meaning hackers uh, took it down because it said, things you can do to stop uh, COVID, uh, wear a mask, and not watch this documentary. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I got when I went to the site. So oh, like, that's... Oh, Cool. So, yeah, I know. I, I, it was it was a nice little uh, it was a nice little pick me up for my day, but also at the same time, I was like, uh, man, I could have used the refresher today. But regardless, could that uh, be I, I like kind-hearted Russian hackers? No, no, <laughs> couldn't be right. It's got to be like uh, like Silicon Valley uh, uh, types. I don't know. Uh, no. Yeah, a lot of Silicon Valley types. I mean, look at Elon Musk right now. Yeah, he's, no kidding. Uh, he's out he, there he, he, working on the factory yeah, he's, floor. He's pretty balls to the wall. Let's uh, reopen everything. <laughs> COVID's not that bad. Totally. Uh, yeah, okay. So well, I mean, you know, uh, South African Emerald Mine and uh, PayPal, who wouldn't, uh, who wouldn't trust that guy? <laughs> you know, uh, oh, I, I don't want to make this about Elon Musk. Let's, let's skip that. Um, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so in this documentary, this wonderful, wonderful um, piece of human history that this will become, um, you have a you have a, a, a virologist who is a I, I guess a doctor, PhD in biochemistry. Um, mm-hmm. That's doctor, right? Okay, oh, so yeah, she absolutely. is a doctor. She's just kind of maybe lost her way, but we're actually not going to maybe judge that. Uh, I guess we will kind of. We're already. Uh, yeah. I, I, I might a little. Okay, let's let's judge that a bit. So um, I'll just start off with a bit on her. Um, Judy Mikovits uh, started her career as a lab technician at the National Cancer Institute, uh, NCI, in 1988. She became a scientist and obtained a PhD in biochemistry and molecular biology, should have read this uh, twice uh, earlier, from uh, George Washington University in 1991. 
By 2009, she was a research director at the Whitmore Peterson Institute, WPI, a private research center in Reno, Nevada, but she remained largely unknown to the scientific community. Uh, that year, however, she co-authored a paper in science that suggests suggested an obscure agent named, I'm going to screw these all up, but uh, xenotropic murine leukemia virus-related XMRV caused chronic fatigue syndrome, CFS. Um, so that's basically what her, uh, a study that she co-authored uh, said, that, that she had figured out that um, there was this uh, virus causing mice to be sleepy, uh, to get this chronic fatigue syndrome. Uh, so that was published in um, Science Magazine uh, in 2009, and it was re retracted the same year um, because nobody could um, recreate her study. And so... Yeah, ten, ten different independent labs tried to recreate it. Nobody could. Oh, is that what it was? I see. Okay. Yeah. And, and the funny thing was, in her own in pandemic, she acknowledged that this XMRV was so contaminable that if it's even in the lab, it could probably contaminate anything in the lab. And she never stopped thinking, oh, maybe that's what happened to me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's just baffling that they would hold her up as the, uh, what do they call her, one of the most preeminent scientists of our time? Uh, well, something. I'm pretty sure yeah, nobody else has ever called her that. Right, right. So basically, in I think, as I take it, in the scientific community, if uh, no one can, um, if no one can recreate your study... Uh, then that means that your study is not is, is is fake, or is really bad, and that's the scientific process working, because then um, that that study wouldn't get co-authored, and it wouldn't get peer reviewed, and it wouldn't be published. Um, so the fact that it was published means that somebody tried to push it through, probably in the first place, um, and 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 didn't properly you know, verify it. And then the fact that Science Magazine went and took it back shortly after, that for most people, that's merely just the scientific process working and the scientific community checking itself. Would you agree? Absolutely. That's that's what's supposed to happen. I mean, stuff like that happens all the time. Science is fallible. People make mistakes. And that's what is supposed to happen when people make mistakes is that shit gets retracted. You're not supposed to take it personally. You're supposed to go back to the drawing board and try again, not come up with some grand conspiracy where you're the victim and obviously you found some underlying truth to the entire medical system that is lying about that literally hundreds of thousands of medical professionals must all be lying about, but you're the one sole arbiter of truth. Mm -hmm. It's just so goofy that she would, a person, I, I mean, I, I, I watched her talk. She's not an idiot. So I've got to believe she's a liar. <laughs> I mean, interesting. Uh, wow. What an interesting takeaway. Uh, yeah. So then she knows that she's lying, which is slightly more sinister than someone who is just, uh, whimsically, um, you know, unaware of, uh, what they're saying 
Well, we know she is making some wanton lies, right? She's clearly making some uh, blatant falsehoods. Mm-hmm. The, the idea that, I mean, she was never the principal researcher or any of these things. She was a, uh, a, a uh, an assi- I don't want to say assistant because that's not exactly the right word, but she was working under a uh, another researcher. And we never hear from this guy. Uh, the I want to say it was Shetty or something like that. But we never hear him coming out with all these grand claims. He just seems to be like, oh, yeah, that's a, that study didn't work and moved on with his day. Meanwhile, she's the one coming out. By the way, selling her book, which is at the top of Amazon right now, and uh, like making tons of cash. Of and she wants us to believe that everybody else is the one who's in it for money. I mean... Right. How can everybody else be the ones who earn it for money when you're the only one that's making the money? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, and that's uh, uh, that's a classic, I guess, double entendre where you're writing a book, making money on it, but in America, you're also educating the masses, depending on how you how you spin it, right? <laughs> Which is and that's another thing with the entire conspiracy theory uh, formula is that a lot of people don't seem to recognize that all of these conspiracy theories are America-centric. Uh, they are based on the idea of a for-profit medical system that just nowhere else in the world has except for America. Like when you say, oh, look at these doctors, they have these incentives to lie. Okay, what about every other medical body in the world? What about Health Canada? What about the entire European body of uh, food uh, safety? Is there entire health agency what about australia what about like literally anywhere else in the world that doesn't have those same incentives because the government who would like lose money by funneling all the tax dollars into the medical system just to make doctors rich why why do we see these exact same results there Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's baffling that people can see these American centric uh, American centric uh, conspiracy theories and not take the time to be like, wait, does that work with my country? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. It almost never does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I had, uh, you know, I mean, even myself, I hadn't framed it outside of America in some senses, um, and and that's that's part of this too. Is a lot of a lot of countries have always used America and America's response to things as the default best response. Um, and in the case of, of, of something like this, where the, the uh, propaganda comes from America um, and, and has spread through the world, um, people are kind of baffled by it, right? Because you have um, governments uh, in, in these European countries and stuff and, you uh, um, who are following the science and who are following the scientists. And usually that, that um, pertinent, leading-edge information would be coming out of America. Um, but it's not right now. It's, it's rather than coming out of America, you're getting this hodgepodge of a federal response, plus you're getting this, this documentary that seems to plant you know, the blame on America. It's a really weird, it's a really weird dynamic with this one. Well, yeah, that, and that's the thing is that it's so easy to blame America for these sort of conspiracies because obviously they have these gaping profit, holes in yeah. their social policy, mm-hmm. and uh, we could sit here all day and talk about the problems with America's healthcare system right. because they are legion. <laughs> 
But they are not just transferable to the entire world. You can't be like, oh, what's, why is Sweden doing uh, an even more lackadaisical thing than America? Yet somehow, I, I mean, they've got problems with what they're doing, but they also have the capacity in their healthcare system to bring these people in and treat them as it's going on. And mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. It, it, it changes jurisdiction to jurisdiction, but uh, America is just completely fucking up left to right and it's just it's so weird to see everybody around the world taking these conspiracy theories at face value when they only apply to america Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right right and they only apply in a place where there is a for-profit system um like the the cancer conspiracy is a great example of that everyone says that the cancer cure is out there and it's black and white and you know, um, governments have the, the government has it. Well, like you say, every other government has an incentive to actually decrease cancer patients because cancer exactly. patients are a burden on their system. So if that that existed, it would be out there. It's not like America's hiding it, lock and key. Um, yeah, and, and these are governments that can't even agree on whether the sky is blue on any given day. And we're supposed right. to believe that they all come together and to have this narrative that just shuts down all, like, just just low enough that the doctors know about it, but nobody else knows about it. And also, they won't tell their families or friends or anything about that because, you know what, they want that little bit of extra on the paycheck because their family and friends, you know, fuck them. We're just, uh, we just want that extra couple thousand dollars. Right, as if they don't know a single person in their community affected by that um yeah. okay so moving on with um with this uh judy uh mikovitz uh, so the controversy around the 2009 um you know retracted study by uh, uh judy and her colleagues that cost her her job at whitmore peterson institute um in november 2011 the wpi filed suit against her, claiming she had stolen research and documents from the lab. Um, so a few months later, she was briefly jailed uh, for allegedly removing a computer, some notebooks, and some proprietary information from the Institute. Uh, the charges were dropped uh, on technicalities. Um, so this is where the spin happens and where uh, the, where Judy pivots. Um, so uh, Mikovitz has since claimed she was arrested in an attempt by the deep state to stop her from revealing the truth. And as you mentioned, uh, you know, that's when her book comes out, I guess, is shortly after that. And you said her book is doing well now? Oh, yeah. I mean, as soon as the pandemic came out, her book shot right to the top of Amazon's uh, number one bestsellers. And that's that's really the thing with all of these quacks is that, I mean, we could sit here point by point debunking every single thing that she said but you know what those things are already on the internet if everybody wants to find those things you just have to uh, like uh, google pandemic debunked those are there if you want to if you are internet literate enough to find the mistruths you're internet literate enough to find the truths and whether or not you want to is up to you but the point is is like people like her i mean People like her, look up Joe Mercola, and I think a lot of these people who are proponents of Plandemic who will, will know who Joe Mercola is, look up his house. His house is a goddamn fortress. Uh, he is a goddamn multimillionaire because there's so much more money in quackery than there is in being a institutionalized doctor. Huh? 
They, well, they want, they want to pretend that all these doctors, all these scientists are in it for the money, but they don't look at the fact that all the people who are peddling them their so-called truths, like Mercola, Dr. Sears, David Wolf, all of these people are way more rich than any of these doctors could possibly ever hope to be in their institutional lives, going through the best practices of normal medicine and basic science. Wow. And it's just so frustrating to see again and again people thinking that using the follow the money fallacy and following it in the wrong direction. It's, it's baffling. Is Andrew Wakefield rich? Andrew Wakefield? Oh, God, yeah. Of course like super he's rich? rich. I mean, he, tried, he could have been so rich if he had pulled up his initial scam because okay. what he did was he had his alternative to the MMR vaccine. He had a different vaccine schedule, just the same way uh, Dr. Bob, Bob Spears does, but he, he, he was the pioneer. Mm. Uh, he, fucking, he, he had his own vaccine, and he tried to prove that this one was bad, and then he tried to make money off it he wanted to get his own his own stuff uh be, become the, the baseline vaccines exactly oh crazy like, that like, is a oh, really big, smart big pharma, hustle look how much yeah look how much money big pharma makes but nobody wants to look at look at this one shyster <laughs> how he tried to do that and he's your he's your messiah it's, it's huh, yeah he is the messiah uh, it's funny, okay, we, uh, just, we're going to hit up the, f- the five main claims uh, right away, but it's funny when people say Big Pharma, though, because it makes, it makes it sound like one person, but Big Pharma, like there's lots of pharmaceutical companies and lots of pharmaceutical drugs, and so Big Pharma, to say that Big Pharma is a conspiracy conglomerate, it's always another one that's it's funny to me, like, yeah, there's a lot that we can knock the FDA for and, and the pharmaceutical industry for, but... Um, it's almost the same deal as the deep state thing because they are yeah. all competing with each other. Right. To say there's a deep state, you can't even get the Republicans and the Democrats to work together in the Senate for two goddamn days to pass a bill. Totally. Same deal with Big Pharma. They totally. are all competing with each other. They are villains. If they could find one way to villainize the other, they would be in the media the next day saying, oh, look at how this guy is the evil Satan. But they don't because it's just not a thing. <laughs> totally. Okay, so now I'm going to play Joe Rogan and pretend that uh, I'm just going to be like, I'm not saying there's a conspiracy, but, um, you know, and you're going to try and, you know, just tell me something you know about these things that may debunk them or may may um, validate them. I don't know. Okay, so I, I, I just watched Pandemic. Yeah, Joe Rogan's pretty ironclad. You know, I respect him because of what he did for podcasting, obviously, and for information. I respect him because of his uh, occasional stand-up comedy joke, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, he brought a lot of information to the masses. Um, I, you know, I give him that. I, he's, he's. It's weird that he's had that many science-based guests on, and he still has some oh, yeah, weird, yeah, I, I, weird I, I, beliefs. I would get paid to see him live. Oh, I would too. If he rolled through the city, make no mistake. Doesn't matter if he's podcasting, telling jokes, freaking, uh, you know, uh, if he's uh, commentating a boxing event. I'm gonna go see him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I might show just a boom. But I whatever. just find it's <laughs> it's so weird that he he can he's had so many scientists on and stuff, and he can still kind of toe the line between 
Um, you know, he, you know, he believes some of that stuff and you know, like he's kind of subtly defending some of Trump's idiocy sometimes. And it's like, Joe, well, I, th- I, I think know. he's, I think he's just, he's overly credulous. He never, he never, uh, takes sure. the time to dissect the people that he has on. <laughs> and uh, maybe there's a, maybe there's a space for that to give people <laughs> the time and space to say the things so everybody understands their ideas fully, but also the skeptic in me needs somebody to be like, Hey, hold yeah. on a second there, buddy. And he just never is that okay well i just watched the pandemic documentary man and they said people who got the flu shot are more likely to get covid19 man what do you say about that well that was a that was a flawed i mean the idea that you're using that as one singular truth it's a, a one study that was on uh military people and overall they found that taking the flu shot actually made people less likely to have viruses overall now mm. because of the nature of studies coronaviruses in general did kind of bump up and it made people it made it look like maybe if you had the flu shot you would be more likely to get coronaviruses now that's just one study you need more studies and the thing is that study was in 2017 two years before the three years multiple years before the covid 19 existed so there's mm. no way to say that that study said anything about covid 19 mm-hmm. okay well hey man i just watched the pandemic documentary man and they said using a mask actually ignites the virus that's lying dormant within yourself because you're constantly breathing in your own breath that may have a tiny bit of coronavirus on it, and that makes it expand, man. Well, I mean, that's just so goofy. I mean, is it, by the way, spot on, Joe Rogan. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, breathing into a mask, I mean, it's not a, it's not a steel grate. And also, you can't infect yourself with your own virus. There's just so much wrong with everything that that statement says. Like, it's... Uh, I, I mean, I'm a layman, and I know that that's a really weird thing to say. Uh, okay. How about just how about how about just no? <laughs> you, 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 you can't like everybody knows when you cover your mouth when you cough when you have cold. You're not like, oh shit, I just gave myself double cold. Yeah, I actually did find um, a fact on this too. The Beijing study. Uh, it's literally called the Beijing study, um, and I can put, I'm going to put all the links to the anything that we say, anything that I say. I can I can cover my own. Oh, stuff. I've got, I've got, I'll I've put them in the I'll put them in the show that. notes. I'll add the links. Um, but the Beijing study awesome. showed that wearing a mask decreases transmission by seventy percent. So Absolutely. there's that. That's half, of what, that's half of what made South Korea uh, do as well as they did. Because uh, Asian culture, oddly enough, is so much more geared towards just putting on masks than we are. I don't think they have that toxic masculinity where you're like, ooh, I put on a mask and my dick is small. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really think you, uh, you look at Trump, you look at Pence walking around uh, these facilities with no mask on, and you're like, why are you not doing that? You're like, oh, well, because, you know, I might be fucked. <laughs> I might, I might, I might have to fuck. Because we ran this narrative for so long, we got to yeah. die behind it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it's, just, it's just so goofy. At the same time, you have the White House. The White House is testing everybody every day. Yeah. And I just, it's just so baffling that people yeah. don't. Oh, you, you test yourselves. Why can't we all be tested? <laughs> totally. Because we, we don't give, because we don't give a fuck about you. Um, well, and there's just not enough tests, but. Um, yeah, well, debatable. I okay. bet they could make it up. 
Um, Anna just came and gave me the dial it back on the Joe Rogan impression face, so I'm gonna dial it back. She knows that <laughs> I, I she I, knows I, I love Joe Rogan. The, I'm not being true I to myself that, when I do that. So uh, I, I disagree. <laughs> I think the the Joe Rogan impression could really drive the rest of this episode. <laughs> uh, okay, man. The salt water and enzymes from sand on the beach are are key for the immune system. They're that uh, you know that's what builds the immune system. And that's the whole reason the CDC and the deep state want the beaches closed, man. I haven't even heard that one. That before. one's in there. You didn't that's, get that, that far before that, they pulled it off YouTube, eh? That, that is so <laughs> fucking weird. Like, I mean, do, what, what, what is that supposed to be? I mean, you want to go drink the beach? I mean, what are they trying to say there? I mean, hey man, the it's in sea, there. I mean, I think we know the people around the Dead Sea are dying just as much as everybody else. I don't. I don't know. That's that's a baffling one to Just me. Salt one. Okay. enzymes from salt, and uh, that's a weird one. It's in there. Okay. Uh, I, I would like to hear what you had to say about that one. Because I'm baffled. Uh, you know, for me personally, I just, uh, again, I, I don't buy it either. I think that the beaches are just a classic place where uh, viruses spread. So, you know, whether you're beside someone on, on uh, your beach towel. Oh, no, no. I, I, no, I thought, I thought that the, uh, the theory was you go to the beach and you're cured. <laughs> yeah, no, I broke character and I just disagree. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what, no, I, I mean... That is the theory, is that uh, salt water, you know, I guess maybe in your mouth cures, uh, or maybe it permeates your skin, and then you... Uh, maybe that's why Dana White has to go, wants to go to have all those private fights to a private island, and oh. everybody just has a beach fight, and everybody's just uh, cured at the end. Because Dana White doesn't want the coronavirus, It's and he's a, he's a multi-millionaire? Is he a billionaire? I don't know. I don't think millionaires uh, would get any kind of immunity to corona. I think that's a billionaire club only. I kind of just assumed that they uh, <laughs> just wear uh, ventilators on their free time no matter what. Yeah, okay. So Anna texted me now, and she's just like, just too much mans in general. So I'm dropping the man completely. So um, moving on. Number four, hydroxychloroquine is cheap and readily available Enough to treat all people uh, with COVID-19. It'll give them immunity for nine days, at which point they'll need to re-up. Um, and it only would cost 50 cents a person, but for some reason it's been removed from the market. What do you say about that, my friend? I mean, like, literally none of that is true. Uh, it has not been removed from the market, but the problem is it's had such a spike in usage in people that don't need it at all. There are people that actually need it for things like lupus, which it is actually a very effective uh, disease treatment, and people are having trouble finding it now just because random people are picking it up and using it, and just just leaving them high and dry because all these assholes are hearing Trump talk about how it's an effective thing. But the thing is, all those the studies so far, it's not coming back positive. People are still using this as a baseline treatment, and it's just not true. Like that one study in, uh, I can't remember what the hell it was, I think it was Brazil, but they just ignored the fact that several people stopped uh, using it in the study because it was making their hearts hurt and they ignored the fact that a bunch of people in the study died so all the people that recovered they're like oh look at this recovery rate that's very high but that's 
easy to do when people die in your study and you don't count them. Mm-hmm. Hydroxychloroquine has, I mean, it's been, it sounded like it might have been an okay idea. I was one of the people who was like, oh, look at Trump saying this stupid thing. Because, you know, you, you know, he has doctors talking to him every day. But mm-hmm. at the same time, since then, nothing has come of it. And also doctors are using it on people who are dying every day, and we are not seeing a drastic uptick of people recovering. Well, I happen to have an article here from newmedical.net, which is basically, it's a website that uh, reviews new medicines and uh, talks about what the clinical trials are saying. So, um, hydroxychloroquine, no effect on the risk of death. Hydroxychloroquine is a drug used to prevent and treat malaria. It has also been used to treat other diseases such as symptomatic lupus, erythematosis, and rheumatoid arthritis, which are autoimmune conditions. In the event of a coronavirus pandemic, the drug has been used for patients to lower the rate of dying from the illness. In the study published in the prestigious New England Journal of Medicine, the team of researchers looked at data on patients treated for COVID-19 in New York City, the epicenter of the outbreak in the United States. Some patients received hydroxychloroquine of an off-label basis, a practice allowing doctors to prescribe a drug for an unapproved indication or in an unapproved age group dosage or route of administration. An estimated 60% of the patients received the drug for about five days. The team found that hydroxychloroquine has no impact on the risk of the most severe outcomes from the disease. There is no lower rate of needing ventilators or a reduced risk of death during the study period. Quote, in the observational study involving patients with COVID-19 who had been admitted to the hospital, hydroxychloroquine administration was not associated with either a greatly lower a greatly lowered or an increased risk of composite endpoint of intubation or death. Randomized controlled trials of hydroxychloroquine in patients with COVID-19 are needed, end quote, the authors wrote in the paper. So the study's findings, one, and maybe I'll delete all that other part, I don't know if it's just ridiculous, but it, it is wrapping up. The study's findings. No, that, no that's, yeah, that's good. You need to have uh, the full blood. Okay, okay. People who like hydroxy, listen up then. Sure. Maybe just knowing the words right. would help, but uh, online searches for unproven therapies for COVID 19. Uh, lower levels of vitamin D may be linked to severe COVID 19. Is this. Uh, Is this confidence in hydroxychloroquine for the management of COVID-19 justified? The team wanted to see the link between hydroxychloroquine use and the development of respiratory failure that led to intubation or death. To arrive at their findings, the researchers included the first 1,376 patients admitted in the hospital for COVID-19, which is caused by the pathogen Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus 2. They excluded patients who had recovered intubated, or died within 24 hours of being treated in the emergency department. Of these patients, so of the 1,376 that showed up with COVID-19, of these patients, 811 patients, or nearly 60%, received the drug, while 565, or 41%, did not. The team also found that the patients who received the drug were more severely ill at baseline than those who did not. Overall, 346 patients had a primary endpoint event wherein 180 patients were intubated. Um, 
Al procedure involving the insertion of a tube into the body. Okay. Of these patients, 66 succumbed to the disease. Another 166 patients died without intubation. So, quote, in the crude, unadjusted analysis, patients who had received hydroxychloroquine were more likely to have had primary endpoint event than those patients who did not, end quote. The team explained. Yeah, <laughs> so does that mean they're like more it, likely the exact, to die? The exact thing that we should have realized beforehand is that all of these people that had predispositions to suffering from hydro, uh, from uh, COVID would also have predispositions to suffering from hydroxychloroquine. Uh, because if you have a heart condition and you give somebody hydroxychloroquine, you're way more likely to have a heart attack mm. and stuff like that. So, like, I mean, it, 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 and that's, that's a ridiculous thing, is that so many people are so upset that if, you know, the, the treatment or something like that is, it, if it's not directly, like, if you don't come in there balls out healthy and you just get COVID and then that's the only thing that kills you. People think that that's the only thing that you should be report, recorded for as dying from COVID. But obviously that's not true. There's so many complications, including the treatment thereof, because we don't know what the hell we're doing with COVID and doctors might give you the wrong shit and end up killing you. And I'm sorry, that's still a COVID death. Yeah, okay. So to, to, to finish the, the findings off here, the team emphasized, emphasized that the findings of the study show that the drug has no benefits for COVID-19 patients. Quote, we don't think at this point, given the totality of the evidence, that it is reasonable to routinely give this drug to patients. We don't see the rationale for doing that, end quote. While the study did not randomly assign people to receive the drug or placebo and compare their outcomes, the large number of patients involved suggests the findings are solid. Dr. Neil Schluger, chief of, chief of the Division of Pulmonary Allergy and Critical Care Medicine at Columbia, said in a statement. So basically they're saying that, you know, they didn't do this the, the FDA way. They didn't do this the, the proper way. They just p tested this on humans in real time in the field and it didn't work. So he's just like, there's no point in taking this any further. Like, is what I'm getting out of that. You? Yeah, I mean, there's, I, I haven't seen any... There's a very good episode of uh, Worst Year Ever, uh, the uh, probably the best, most aptly named podcast that I, I know <laughs> of right now. <laughs> With, um, what's his name? Yeah, Evan, Robert uh, Evans. Robert yeah, Evans, Robert Evans yeah. from Behind the Bastards. Totally. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, they... Uh, they started this podcast in order to cover the what was supposed to be a horrible, you know, 2020 election. But then, you know, uh, a plague happened. And <laughs> next thing you know, they're talking about that the entire time. And they just did a, a very good expose on all the scientific studies and how flawed they were about hydroxychloroquine. And one wonders how one could have ever thought that this was a viable treatment. But also at the same time, you see... The feedback loop between Trump and Fox News, where they just go back and forth, mm -hmm. and one says, hey, this might be a thing, and mm -hmm. he says, oh, this probably is a thing. Then one says, this is definitely a thing. And the next thing you know, one is saying, this is, this has cured thousands. And then, you know, people are drinking fish tank solution and dying, and... Uh, yeah, it's just, right just an endless death cult loop, and you wonder how we got here. <laughs> it's very cultish, hey? Every cult story ends with a whole bunch of people drinking the Kool-Aid and dying. 
Literally. It really does. And uh, sometimes, sometimes the Kool-Aid tastes like a fish tank. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, there's uh, one final claim here, um, and this is the biggest one of them all. Uh, Dr. Fauci is a deep state lackey who delayed the research of AIDS treatment and is coordinating the COVID-19 pandemic with Bill Gates. <laughs> I mean, oh God, I mean, it's tough for me because I got so many problems with Bill Gates. Okay, just, okay. so separate I mean, the two. So Fauci's a lackey and Bill Gates did, did COVID-19. I, think, I, I mean, they have nothing to do with each other in regards to this, except for one is a scientist trying to give us the best information and the other is a guy that has way too much money, way more money than he should. And all of a sudden, all of our futures are in his hand. And I, I, I have big problems with a private citizen being like, oh, I'm going to direct the way that our, uh, our civilization goes uh, and all of our medical research goes. And uh, I mean, I have a lot of problems with Bill Gates, but you know what? This isn't one of them. He is not going to take any sort of profit off of a uh, COVID-19 uh, he, he stated that publicly. Okay. And okay. Yeah. So I mean, all, so that's one thing. Say, like, I, if yeah, that just ruins that argument right there. If Bill Gates yeah, has, he, is, is 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 keeping the books transparent and he's not going to take any profit, then Bill Gates. Why would he didn't want fund. more money? It doesn't make any sense. And also, why would he want to track us? Why does he care where we are? Why well, he can he already do wh- that. Wh- whether right? I'm at like, Sobeys or if I'm in my backyard, it yeah. doesn't make any sense. No. Okay, so Bill Gates is out. So Fauci, that lackey, (laughs) (laughs) is he a deep state lackey or what? Like, I heard that uh, he delayed um, some kind of uh, AIDS uh, research treatment in the 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the AIDS thing. Sure. Yeah, he, he, he fucked up on the AIDS thing. But you know who really fucked up on the AIDS thing? Was Reagan. Reagan just ignored it for years and years and years. Let tons of people die. And then when he finally started to funnel uh, funding to his health departments, yeah, they didn't immediately get it right. It's shocking. It's mm-hmm. science. It's trial and error. And uh, I think uh, I, I was watching a debunking of this stuff today. And Fauci and the guy that ended up making the the, the wrong-headed, admittedly wrong-headed AIDS uh, treatment that didn't really help a lot. They, between them, got $45,000 over the year, years, and which, I mean, seems a pretty low ball to murder uh, millions of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... And also, uh, Fauci donated his half of it to uh, just charity in general. Really? So his half yeah, of forty-five so, uh, grand? Like, geez, man. Yeah, yeah. Aww. He didn't even want to put his name on the patent because he was like, "This seems unethical." Meanwhile, you got uh, Judy Mc. What's it? What's her name? Judy McCovenit. McCovenit. Mikovitz, man, get it right. Mikovitz, she is the number yeah. one scientist in U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she's the, the, the next uh, the next Aristotle. My my bad, uh, but yeah, the next Aristotle decided to say that they were getting millions of dollars. Everybody was getting millions of dollars. Like everybody who was involved got millions of dollars somehow from somewhere, and we're supposed to just take that at face value because she says it. Mm-hmm. Offers no no evidence, no rationale, no anything. <clears throat> so many people just watch this documentary and just uh, look don't get me wrong I love the whole 
anti-establishment uh, sort of fervor that is arising because we do need to not believe the uh, the neoliberal corporate infrastructure that is feeding us a whole sort of corporate dynamic that is making us believe that we can't band together and feel for our neighbors and all that sort of stuff. But holy crap, can we not get there through just complete pseudoscientific bullshit that makes us mistrust, for one thing, the doctors and the health professionals who are saving our lives because uh, I, I'm looking at news stories around the world where people are getting assaulted or just generally mm-hmm. having to hide their identity while they go to work at hospitals because people are attacking them and it's stuff like this yeah. that's making that happen and that shit drives me crazy mm-hmm. because these are the people that save our lives and I don't know how to do that I don't think you know how to do that they're the only ones that know how to do that Right. But what we know how to do is throw fucking rocks and rotten fruit at them and make them feel bad for saving their lives because we don't understand the science behind what they're doing. And that's what's happening. I agree with you. That is what's happening. How awkward yeah, is it, it that, um, that um, you know, it used to be like being dumb was kind of like in America. It was like cute and funny and it was like, yeah, you can make some money off of it. And, you know, it was like the Homer Simpson type type guy which we're going to get before we wrap up i'm going to hit that one but um you know that's sort of like it's it's okay but now like being dumb is like really deadly um not dumb i shouldn't say dumb misinformed misinformed right it's like misinformed but then there's a certain time where it's like you're misinformed by choice because People tried to inform you, but you just didn't let that happen. And that's where it gets dangerous, right? It was it was the powers that be, the institutional powers that wanted to tell you what's right and what's ah, wrong. Ah, I see. And I, and I get that because, like I was saying at the beginning, as soon as the 9-11 uh, conspiracy theory uh, video came out, uh, loose change, I was hook, line, and sinker. Like, what do you mean George Bush did it? That makes so much sense. <laughs> totally I don't need did. to look any further into this. And I couldn't because there was no internet back then. (laughs) (laughs) It was was super easy. It was like, oh, jet fuel can't melt steel beams? Done. That checks out. Done deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm out of here. Hey, man. My name is on some petitions. Hmm? My name is on some petitions for some investigations out there in the world, too. Don't don't, don't worry. Um, so, okay, last thing I want to say before we leave this, uh, and before everyone, um, puts their pre-orders in, I shouldn't say pre-orders, we don't know that, just they're going to watch for Mirror's Edge in their calendar in September by Alex Passy. Um, but what is happening with the, with, uh, The Simpsons? Like, did they predict the coronavirus and killer bees from Japan, or what? Like... Oh, dude, yeah, no, that was an episode with the Osaka flu. Uh, you know, Saga flu where they just, uh, like some jab, and also this was Japan, not China. Uh, the guy coughed <laughs> right. into a whole bunch of, what, what was it, juicers? Yeah, they were juicers. And uh, the, everybody in uh, the States bought a bunch of juicers. They opened it up and they got the Osaka flu. And they all started to freak out. And they started to, uh, like, where can we get these placebos? Maybe we can get them from this truck. And of course, it was full of killer bees because at the time, Africanized killer bees were also a big, a terrifying thing. I mean, oh, really? That's just like a really hardcore coincidence, hey? Yeah. Well, history doesn't repeat itself. History doesn't repeat itself, but it definitely rhymes. How? 
give me the run. <laughs> I thought it was all right. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't hop on board with a lot of the uh, Simpsons predicts the future stuff because a lot of it is just made up. But sometimes, yeah, it's early. They definitely predicted President Trump. They definitely predicted, uh, you know, they pretty, uh, uh, okay, so so what happens in that Trump episode though? Um, he gets assassinated, oh, no, right? And then no, Lisa no, becomes all, 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 that, all that happens. All that happens is Lisa is president, okay. and she says she has to clean up after President Trump. That's literally all. That's literally the entire prediction. Uh, somebody drew the scene of him going down the escalator or whatever. Oh, that didn't uh, happen. My barber told me that happened. No, no, that never oh, happened. Oh, great. The, 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 yeah, no, that was a whole load of bullshit. I mean, that's because not... They, a, that would be terrible. Yeah, for anybody, yeah, anybody can draw a Simpsons scene. And they have. And they do. And they will. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that that scene was fake. I mean, I haven't seen the episode. It's not like you can call up a Simpsons episode and just see the whole thing. Uh, I mean, to, I, I, I've watched probably every Simpsons episode, so I'm kind of... Kind of a connoisseur of this. You're just on that. Um, so you've seen that one just in real time, and you're drawing off memory, or what? Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I remember because uh, it was the God. What the hell was it? Uh, Bart wanted to go to like Camp David or some bullshit, and he was just like, "Hey, how about that? China used to used to be cool." Uh, <laughs> there was so much stupid oh, bullshit, but also, okay. also at the same time, it's basically our foreign policy now. So. Oh. <sighs> right. As right. much as you want to make fun of it, it's uh, basically. I wish we had President Lisa. <laughs> hey, AOC, give it. I don't know. What do you give it? Eight years. That's legal. <laughs> She's maybe closest uh, thing to Lisa. I don't know. Well, Someone who I, plays I the same. I wouldn't be surprised if she got uh, Kennedy. Ooh, <laughs> easy. Well, hey, I already touched on Trump. You touched on uh, uh, AOC and Kennedy. So there we go. Uh, we've covered everyone now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, terrible. If uh, if there was any buttons uh, we shouldn't have pushed, we, we did them anyways. So there we go. <laughs> Absolutely. Alex Passy, thanks for coming on. It's been an absolute slice having you. I think, uh, I think we covered everything I wanted to cover, and I feel like I've put this whole pa- uh, pandemic documentary to bed for myself at least. Um, I don't know about anyone else listening, but uh, we'll leave the rest up to them to make their own decisions, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's what the internet's there for, to, uh, you know, throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Hey, uh, thanks again. Do you have, uh, I don't know, do you do Instagram or anything, or is it just uh, everyone's looking for Mirror's Edge in September? Uh, Yeah, you can look for Mirror's Edge on uh well, you could just Google it and at, at Bay Press, and, and that'll uh, find a way to pre-order it, and it's coming out in September, yeah. There you go, guys. Um, so check that out. Uh, Passy, thanks again. We'll talk soon, man. Yeah, thank you. Peace right. out, brother. Bye.